welcome to uh, Treks and Sci-Fi podcast number 620 for the date of January 22nd, 2017. And uh, this week, uh, it's all about uh, Ships of Rogue One. And your guest host here is Jeff, uh, Jedi Jeff from the Treks and Sci-Fi Forum, Jeff from Canada. And I've got uh, two guests as well with me. Um guest hosting with this and first we've got uh from the star wars stacks podcast chris clemente i love what you're doing jeff it's fantastic it's tremendous <laughs> we're going to talk about star wars ships it's the best not hey jeff sorry we were doing a little trump stuff before because yeah, it is oh inauguration God. day you stole my thunder i'm sorry <laughs> but um Hey, hey, everybody. Hey, glad to be here. It's been a while since I've been on the old uh, Treks and Sci-Fi show. Happy to be here. Happy Thank to be you. there. Happy to have you. And we've got, as you've heard, the just uh, everyone knows him, Brian C. Dunn. Every, everybody knows him. Everybody brings him up all the time in a somewhat negative way on their podcast. Oh. And here I am. <laughs> and I want to thank uh, Rico, as always, for allowing uh, Jeff, Chris, and I to take the calm. This chair is awful comfy, and we like it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm looking forward to talking a bit about these ships and Rogue One, especially after I heard Rico's comments. I really want to... <laughs> Talk about it. Did we do ships of TFA? What what did we do last time we did this? We did a ship show. It's been a long time. Yeah, but was ship was it? Joe Joe did the um the Force Awakens ships, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, maybe it was the Force Awakens ones. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. That's right. It's been a while. I think yeah. Rogue One. Hey, real quick then, I want to because although I I'm pretty sure I I think I know what you guys all think, but uh, Jeff, what were your thoughts about Rogue One? I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, I thought it was a, uh, I thought it was a real solid movie, and uh, I think, um, I think uh, I forget. Maybe it was Joe or or someone who said on that uh, podcast that you had, uh, Chris. Yeah. Um, it was like uh, the Star Wars EU, the movie type. That's what I think. That thing. was me. I yes. think that was one of the first things I yeah. texted Joe when I left was like, this is, this movie was made for people who read star Wars books. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because it, well, you can, I can easily just see it being one of those novels, you know? So yeah. yes. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Chris, I, I, I forgot that you, you guys did that whole, you know, whole show on it. So, so, I mean, at, now that we've, we're a couple weeks into it, I mean, have your thoughts changed? I mean, how do you feel about it? Me? I thought I still listen. It's I, I the thing that's to me, like, it was. I'm gonna say this. Like, it was not an easy movie. I think, tonally, to get into quickly for me, mm-hmm. because you know, Star Wars has a tone, um, and this was tonally a little bit skewed from what we're used to. But once I got in, once I was there, because you know, like the beginning of the movie is like, you're here, you're here, you're here, and you're like, what's going on? Holy moly! There's title cards to tell me where we're at. This is not mm-hmm. Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, if you listen to my our show, you can hear about why why yeah. my problem what my problem happened in the movie theater with the co the people that are watching the movie with me that kind of took me out of the movie a little bit yeah but once once i i got into it i will say that it most like that that it it it, it 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 was a slow burn the crescendo is great i love the movie um it slots into new hope very well i will say the one thing about it is when you watch new hope right after like i did um tonally there's still that sort of disconnect a little bit for me yeah because yeah. new hope is very like whiz bang you know and and Rogue One is like, ugh, 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> no. gotta, you know. So I mean, the movie's great, but tonally, I'm probably going to have to get used to it. Still, I think. Yeah, I, I think you know, it, it, not to not to belie anyone's age, but I know I'm you know six or seven years older than you. And when A New Hope came out, because it was it was it was a it was, it's, the New Hope is really the only Star Wars standalone movie ever. It really, truly is a movie that just exists in its, on its own. You can watch it from the start to the finish, and it has a, a conclusion. When they started making more films, obviously, that, that went away. So this, it was the only film that had that opportunity. Rogue One informs A New Hope and changes the way you feel, certainly about the first like, 10 minutes of it. I mean, it's very oh, difficult sure. to watch Rogue One and the ending of Rogue One and then transition immediately into A New Hope. And all of a sudden, it changes so much about what you're watching. And you're right. So, I mean, it, the, the tone of Rogue One, I think they did a nice job in trying to end with, with the Carrie Fisher turning around and saying hope to try and bring that film back up after a lot of bad things happened. But it does impact that. And I, I think that was a calculated risk. And I think I applaud Disney for, number one, the, the choices they made in Rogue One to make a film that was that you know those characters didn't make it out of that film and that was a bold choice i mean they didn't have to do that and they did and that they're willing to sort of muck around a little bit with with a film like a new hope that really is kind of sarcastic i mean this it's like religion in star wars mm-hmm. it is the first and it has it, it sort of stands alone as that that pinnacle of of creating this genre but yeah, no, I, bold choices, you know, for the most part were hit well. And I think, you know, some things a little bit from a continuity standpoint, like scratch your head a little bit like, eh. but in, in general, I think they did a great job with that. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And I'm like, say I'm of the age of uh, Brian is, I think we're both 48. So, uh, yep. so I, oh, same wow. thing, like say I came in, at, you know, New Hope was like, basically like Brian said, uh, you know, it had an end and, uh, a standalone movie and and this like say just to me just fills out that fills out fills out the new hope a lot better or a lot more i guess i shouldn't say better but it just fills out more but i also found that it i felt it had a good a a little bit of connective tissue for me too back to the uh prequels as well so so i felt um i felt that was a i felt it was a good uh a good connection and as you know i really liked the force awakens i thought it was a, a really great movie i think i would give this movie a, a bit of a i liked it a bit more than the force awakens and the one mm-hmm. thing i noticed about this movie just you know just the look of it it felt like something you were getting from lucasfilm like yeah. it really tied into like the look that you might see in like rebels or just a tone from like the novels and all the content that's coming out of mm-hmm. uh, Lucasfilm, this one felt much more kind of in line and in step with kind of Lucasfilm than The mm-hmm. Force Awakens did to me. And yeah, uh, yeah, I, I think I think Rogue One, after The Phantom Menace, is the best looking film. I think cause I, I think Phantom Menace, as far as the cinematography and the visuals. They nailed it. That yeah. that film, it, you 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 can take all exceptions, all the exceptions as as far as the story. You may not like it, but it's a beautiful looking movie. And Rogue One, I think, is just as good looking. It's a great, great looking movie. 
and it it really it really wins on that. So so talking about Force Awakens, talking about Rogue One, talking about the visuals, we can transition into the ships. I mean, yes. Force Awakens made an effort to make the ships look familiar, but somewhat different. I mean, the Tie Fighters are a little bit different in Force Awakens. The X Wings are somewhat different in the Force Awakens. Basically One, the same, though. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, there, there weren't a lot. Of, there certainly weren't a lot of you know the Star Destroyer is different. Yes. But there weren't there weren't a lot of new designs that were sort of introduced in yeah. in TFA. Whereas in Rogue One, we're going back, so we're going to see the X wings. We're going to see the Y wings. We're going to see mm. the Star Destroyers, the Death Star. But you know, what are the things that they did in Rogue One to sort of to sort of move that forward, change that that dynamic of that aesthetic? And what did they do to the ships to make them look unique? Yeah, like I say, like you say, Brian, like say with the uh, the Force, the Force Awakens, like say, you know, they're they're kind of like you know X-wing Tie Fighter, subtle changes, subtle differences, I guess, but for the most part. But with Rogue One, I was um, like a little bit of the reading, and I think they mentioned it in the uh, art of book, the art of um, art of Rogue One. That they kind of went for this what 80 20 type kind of um 80 20 where 80 percent was kind of the familiar and then 20 percent were kind of new and mm-hmm. i guess when we look at like ships you know like we got like uh, a new ship for we got a new ship for uh the rebels in the u wing we got a new mm-hmm. tie fighter class in the tie striker we got mm-hmm. uh you know, a kind of a one-off uh, shuttle for Krennic. We got to see, you know, kind of that Imperial um, cargo transport ship. Um, what else did we see? We saw, oh, we saw that tank, I guess, as well, too, on, oh, yeah. on Jetta. And, yep. and then I guess we got a different variation on the uh, AT, AT with the ATACT. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, in in I think before we sort of look at each one independently. From the abstract standpoint, are you guys? Do you guys like the idea that each filmmaker is afforded the opportunity to sort of put their own sort of stamp on Star Wars and create new vehicles? You know, a lot of a lot of people cynically will say, "Oh, they're just trying to sell toys. They're it's not an ATAT. It's an ATACT because they want to make a new toy." And although there is a marketing element to these decisions, I think it's really more driven by the filmmakers are enthusiastic about being participating in this universe and having the opportunity to have a an impact on this universe. And if you if you tell if Disney or Lucasfilm says to any new director coming into the to these films says, "Yo, oh by the way, oh no, only X-wings, Y-wings." <laughs> and and then you can't have A-wings and B-wings until here because they only showed up in Return of the Jedi. So they didn't exist before then. Yeah. You know, Rebels I think has started to have started to move that ball down the field a little bit saying, "No, the B-wings were around, the A-wings were around. These were things that were out there. You know, the Rebel Alliance was very, you know, sort of spread across the galaxy and, you know, what we saw in those first three films was relatively compact. You know, we saw yeah. a very small kind of corner of it. Um, do we? So do you guys agree that it's it's good that they give the filmmakers the opportunity to introduce these new designs, introduce these things that we didn't see before and we may never see again? Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm okay because, you know, it'd be silly if they didn't because every Star Wars movie, the original trilogy, you got something unique and new, right? I mean, 
everything was new in a new hope but then in empire you got snow speeders you got the uh, atats you got cloud cars you know there's it's always been that and in in in, in jedi you got the b wings a wings and the imperial shuttle which i think was the main sort of Look at this thing that you never saw. Yeah, tie interceptor as well. The interceptor, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so for them to expect that they are going to only use, like you said, the familiar support craft would be silly. You know, it just raises that question. If you know, we have these ships in Rogue One, and these, uh, and I, I said this about the stormtroopers. Well, where the hell are all, are these guys during the rest of the war? You know, where's mm-hmm. these yeah. wings? Where's these tie defenders, et cetera, et cetera? So, or sorry, tie strikers. Um, so you know, I I, I like seeing new ships so i mean i'm okay with that of course like you just get those little continuity things questions where you go and watching return of the jedi looking for you know landing craft or empire looking for like land you know etc but yeah other than that no i wouldn't expect i wouldn't expect them to say to to, to hold anybody to that no i like because that pl- as well i yeah. uh, i like it and again was it it's either in the uh, visual guide or the uh or the art of book but they kind of uh indicated like say like um like the design process for uh, like the U-wing, you know, uh, Gareth Edwards was um, uh, he really drove that quite a bit, like on on what he wanted. And I, like Brian said, I, I like that they kind of give the directors um, an opportunity to put their own stamp on it instead of just like you know saying this is a template that we want these things to look like and and kind of you know maybe um, pushing down creativity or whatever. I like that uh, each director can add add something to this uh this universe and i i like say i you know i i like it because it gives each each movie that kind of that kind of um unique um fresh feel maybe and i guess um like if you look at like again you know like you kind of look at like the original trilogy you know we had three different directors for those granted george lucas was very yeah, much come on. involved in <laughs> in them but uh or overseeing mark, them. mark wand was was a shadow director yeah, was, yeah, was, yeah, was right. directed by lucas yeah. come on <laughs> but that said like you say at least with you know like empire strikes back you know that had to you know a, a bit different feel from you know a new hope and you know return of the jedi you know it had you know gone maybe a little later you know like so so movie making um abilities were like a you know a bit better but then i look at like the prequels and you know i'm i'm not a person who bashes the prequels actually I, i'm a prequel defender but um ah, for the most part you know those had kind of a mm, similar type kind of vibe throughout them all and you would think you know like oh you know if maybe that brought in some different people into um each movie maybe we got maybe some maybe eh, some different looks on some vehicles or something like that at that time but for the most part the vehicles all kind of uh, they kind of looked kind of similar, I guess, to me, or mm. that's how I kind of felt. Like, uh, like say there's there's a lot of exotic looking vehicles, but that said, nothing seemed to like uh, really. Like I don't know. Like I look at like something like the U-wing compared to like like what we have with um, like the X-wing or the Y-wing, and yeah, I can identify that as like a as a rebel ship but that said it also has got quite a few differences as well to to me sure. so let's let's talk about the u-wing so what do you guys what did you guys think about it? i mean what what did, was it was it a good design did it look like it was in the universe did it did it make sense uh to me i uh, like that ship it was my uh favorite actually favorite new ship of the uh the movie would be the u-wing to me mm-hmm. i'm not a, i'm not 
it's I'm not in love with it. If I'm going to be honest, it's not really. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just. It just seems like a awkward design for me for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I it, we'll talk about another ship in there, the uh, Krennic shuttle. I'm like this. Whoever was, I think, was it Doug Chang was involved in the design with this again, like he wing? is for a lot yeah, of. Yeah. So he loves long wings because, like, I bought my son the little Krennic shuttle model the mm-hmm. other day. Yeah. And like he he opened it up and the wings are like super long and then when you look at the U-wing in the um with the I guess they're not S foils but their wings are folded back they're like super long but I mean it's a it's a cool concept but I mean dr- drop ships for me are always sort of like you know this is better than you know the old rebel one from like the the EU which is basically like a big rectangle you know yeah yeah so I mean it's it's okay I'd say I put it in the okay like it, ha- it sort of reminds me of like a Y wing with the the way the the cockpit looks and mm-hmm. you know I don't know it's just it, it feels awkward to me but I guess maybe I might I still just sort of need to maybe I need to build the model or something you know certainly I'll certainly better certainly better than the um. The dropship that Leia arrives on oh, yeah, uh, Takadana. Is... I mean, that that was a horrible design. I mean, like who, it... who oh, the Takadana one. That yeah, was I mean, like it's... a mash of uh, what was it? A like, B-wing like a and some car. old uh, Clone Wars or uh, Republic type kind of transport. It, yeah, it, it is. Yeah. It is when you look at the the actual yeah. model, but when you see it on in the film, it yeah. looks like, like a brick. I mean, it's so. It has there's nothing going on, and I do wonder. And and Jeff, you you, you I don't have the um, the art of book yet, but I and I, though I do have the art of the Force Awakens. I wonder if that if the U wing was something that was a Force Awakens concept that sort of was carried over. Uh, it's it's a, actually a uh, kind of from reading at the art of book. It was kind of yeah. uh, it was one that uh, it was one that kind of Gareth Edwards had kind of uh, personally kind of. Uh, he was the one who kind of really pushed that one, and he they went through like a lot of design processes, and I was kind of just kind of uh, skimming through the book, and uh, it was kind of like they were just like they have like like they have like a whole it's, it's about ten pages worth of uh, design on the uh, U-wing, and mm-hmm. they just started off by just he was telling a few of the different um, designers that they would have like a minute and a half or so to like just sketch out a design of what they think this ship would be, and then move on to the next one, and. Yeah. And like say so they had like I guess apparently like hundreds of different designs for this U wing and then just kind of uh, kind of um, looking through like uh, the the progression of of where they started with it to where they kind of ended with it was was um, quite interesting but it seemed like once that uh, Doug Doug Chang I believe it is once he kind of uh, once his design started to come in is those got much more closer to the kind of the, what we saw on the uh, screen so yeah. Um, so yeah, this this Ewing was um, this Ewing was uh, it was kind of um, yeah, like I say, it was Gareth Edwards one, and then even the designs, like some of the earlier designs, it had a lot more of that um, kind of the old Clone Wars Republic uh, gunship um, look to it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, it had much more of that that kind of vibe going for it um, at the start, and then they kind of made it more, um, more streamlined, but, uh, mm-hmm. it did seem mm-hmm. for a while that it had, like, it was a bit of a mashup between, um, like, uh, like, a like these big giant long wings on a, on a Republic gunship there for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, just to, to put a bow on it, um, you know, I, I like the design, you know, I think that the design fits in universe for the time period that we're watching it has 
that right sort of feel with that sort of Y-wing like cockpit, like you said, Jeff. But I do think that a lot of what may have driven this design as well as Krennic Shuttle, which we can talk about next, was that, and why Gareth may have been drawn to it, is that visually it's interesting to watch. So as it takes off and the wings are behind and it looks like a, it almost looks like an airplane going through through this through the atmosphere and it goes into space and the wings fold forward and it jumps into hyperspace. It's interesting to watch that. So I think from a visual standpoint, the, a design it's a dynamic design which is kind of fun to watch and I think that's probably what drew Gareth to it as opposed to more so like does this make sense in universe? Yeah, that's probably true. And <laughs> just uh, just to kind of uh, based off the uh, the visual guide here, uh, Chris, you are correct that. Those are considered S foils. S foils. So, okay. Yes. So they are considered yeah. S foils. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, like I said, I'm, I'm just sort of, it's, a, it's, a, it looks to me like, when I first was look, looking at them, it looks like a, like a kit bash, almost. Mm. You know I what I mean? Like what it came across to me too as a kit bash, which is kind of, um, part of me, part of me is kind of why I kind of almost kind of like it a bit too, because. A lot of the rebel huh. ships are kind of. Um, they were. I mean, the original in, 70, in '76 at ILM, they were kidbashing stuff together. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. You know, yeah they're, they're, that, I think that's that's what makes it feel in universe. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Like you say, and as well too, actually. Um, like I said, I'll just go through maybe just a couple of these technical details, um, just so that we cover off the technical details on this. Um, it is considered like the U-wing is the model UT-60D. U-wing uh, starfighter support craft uh, manufacturer is the Incom Corporation. Uh, the height of it is 3.35 meters or 11 feet. Length is 24.98 meters or 82 feet with S foils forward. Crew is of two plus eight passengers. Atmospheric speed is 950 um, kilometers and 500. And 90 miles per hour, and it's got two laser cannons. And hmm. um, what else do we got here? Um, they did kind of indicate um, that part of the reason, uh, like, we kind of don't see this ship um, really ever again in the uh, Star Wars canon is was there's only like a handful of them actually. Um, um, the, like, the Rebel Alliance was only able to get a handful of these. I think before uh, actually the um, the manufacturer or something like that may have gotten taken over by the uh, Empire or something like that. So um, they only ever got a got a handful of these. So that's why we don't really ever see them. And I think they probably all got taken taken out uh, either uh, the one that they lost on Yedu or um, the rest which they lost at uh, Scarif, I guess. So uh, yeah. so that's kind of the kind of the you know canon explanation on why. There's not too many of these. Why we never see these again? Because they were limited. Right. <laughs> they were limited. <laughs> you know, limited edition, I guess. So the thing I liked about this this ship as well too is I like that um, that gunship, uh, that old um, Republic uh, gunship uh, feel to it with the. Uh, I, I yeah. Yeah. I do love I do love the gunship. I I know that's probably an awkward it is an awkward sort of looking vehicle but always reminded me of those old sikorsky russian helicopters i just think that's just a cool looking ship and i i, I dig yeah. it this is actually hey, sikorsky's in connecticut sikorsky is not russian <laughs> sorry that's a... you know what i'm I saying but i know the ones you're talking about yeah you know the ones yeah. you're talking about yeah mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. to be honest like this ship like say this ship is 
like say this is my favorite out of Rogue One, and like say from a kind of like a crew crew transport ship, this one I just for I whatever reason that uh, that first order crew uh, transport from the force awakens i just never really liked it It was just too boxy and uh, just for whatever reason i didn't like it and this one just to me i i just like it more than that that force awakens one that we got last year for the first order and i just like the idea of this i like the idea that they've got that that gunner and they got the little area granted they can't really carry that many people in it but yeah. The Force Awakens, of course, those are more based on like just landing craft, like from like World War II almost. Yeah. You know, they mm-hmm. they're very very utilitarian looking. You know, this is definitely more more of a Rebel flair. You know, with the yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'll it'll grow on me eventually. Ah, it's got it's got like four big giant thrusters in the, yeah. in the back of it too, eh? So it's like a it's like a it's like all like an X wing or like a whatever. You know, it's got a bunch of it's like this little kind of small ship with these big giant oversized. <laughs> engine strapped on the back of it which <laughs> i don't know there's something about that just appeals to me hey man it's cool yeah so uh so we talked about krennic shot a little bit there so so let's that that would be a good one to go to next i sure. i hear a little little unhappiness with krennic shuttle i actually i like krennic shuttle oh you do i just i was just remarking that when i was looking at the ship, when I gave it to my son, I took it out of the box and I, I like extended the wings. I'm like, holy mackerel! <laughs> <laughs> but on screen, it's so like it's. I love. I'm a big fan of like that ge- geometric geometric look. You know, like very sharp lines like that. And I think it's just a real striking ship when it's like when it, in, the, in the beginning of the movie when you see it sort of flying over the rings and everything. I'm like, that is a cool, like creepy shuttle. <laughs> So I, I dig I dig Krennic shuttle. I think it's a very interesting design. Yeah, I mean, and, and and not only the 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 length of the wings and how incredibly thin they are, but the very the very the pyramid shape of the actual body. It's like it's really, it, it, you know, it, it reminds you of something from Dune. It remi- almost reminds me of something like an ornithopter or like something something from a different sort of sci-fi universe because it doesn't. Prime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't look necessarily like you know the shuttle, the Tidarium shuttles that we saw in um, in Return of the Jedi, and it certainly doesn't look like Kylo Ren's uh, you know shuttle in Force Awakens. It's really different, and I really like the design because you know what it reminds me of. Actually, when you think about it, when Luke is playing with his uh, T sixteen model. And, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. got the T sixteen has, has a triangular cockpit area with two, four, with two windows on the front and it kind of has that kind of look to it yeah mm, that yeah is, that's a, yeah that's a good one yeah yeah that's a good observation and uh like say based off the like the the, the visual guide they kind of indicated that this um this this uh shuttle um uh, it, it was before like the um you know the you know the imperial shuttle that we're all familiar with like the uh lambda you know, class yeah mm-hmm it was prior to this one so like so the one that vader and um you know the emperor and all that they use that's that's a better a better shuttle than this one but apparently this one was one that apparently caught krennic's eye and he he quite liked this um this design of this shuttle because considering <laughs> that he was an engineer and all that that there was something about the design that really appealed to him then so that's why he kind of made it his kind of signature type kind of uh ship and that he that he used it even though there were like the the later imperial uh, lambda 
Lambda class uh, shuttle is a, a superior uh, vessel to this one that uh, he just felt that this one kind of represented himself more. And it was kind of interesting as well too, like um, just looking at like the cross section and all that, that this is like a very sparse vehicle. Like they kind of have yeah. a shot of him when he, he, uh, he left on it. Um, I think he was, he went off to go see Vader or whoever, and he was just kind of sitting there right beside the other um, troopers that he was, yeah, he was, he was like yeah. in the cargo hold. I mean, yeah. the, <laughs> it, it clearly, and it's funny you mentioned that, Jeff, because yeah. I was going to say that the one shot that we get inside of that ship is literally Krennic sitting on a bench seat next to a death trooper. You yeah. would think that, I mean, Krennic, yes, Krennic is a, you know, he's an engineer, He's, but he's he's relatively well-considered in the Empire. I mean, you would think he would have a little bit more of a personal space, or but no, he's sitting on a bench in a shuttle with his with his his security staff flying off, you know, and it, I I found that really interesting that that was the choice that they made and as far as showing that. So and that's hmm. and according to the visual guide, that's his preference. Eh, it wasn't even right. he's he has to live with that. That is his preference. He preferred interesting uh, like a more you know just a just a purpose built type kind of craft really. Um, so. But everything, and that's funny, that's so interesting, because everything in the film and everything in Catalyst would sort of give the indication that he's such a climber that, yeah. you know, he would want something that portrays status and, like, gave him that sense of being more important. And he, he'd want to have a ship where he'd have a room where he could lord over people and, and dismiss them. And that's so interesting that, that in the visual guide, they sort of, they sort of flip the script on that and make it so that he's more utilitarian about it. And, yeah. and yet when I, again, reading catalyst and watching the film, I don't get that impression from him at all. I get the impression that he, he would, he would want everything plated in gold to uh, reference our <laughs> president. I mean, he's going to want he's he want to have it. He'd want to have that 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 position of power projected by his vehicle, by his clothing. I mean, he's walking around in a white cape. This guy is not shy. <laughs> this guy is no shrinking violet. So the fact that they put that in the visual guy, that's very very interesting. That that was part of his character development. That maybe at the end of the day, now that we have all the con more content about him, maybe it's not quite as accurate. But that's interesting that they went that direction. Yeah, I, I love I love the uh, skin, like the stealth sort of stealth bomberish type look to it. it yeah, uh, yeah. Krennic is definitely, and when you watch, we'll read the book and watch the movie. He's he's just he's like that guy at work who wants you to know he's doing a good job. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's his thing. Like, hey, you see you see what I did? You see what I did there? Yeah. Hey, so you'll, I, tell, I, you'll, you'll tell the emperor, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, Don't whatever. choke on your aspirations. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah. So I'll just... I, I, James Earl Jones just turned 86, by the way. Just, uh, oh, that's right. I heard that. Yeah, oh, he's, yeah, I love that guy. Some technical details here, I guess, uh, on this uh, shuttle is that it's uh, it's manufactured by the uh, Senior Fleet System, so one of the uh, regular suppliers of the uh, Imperial Navy. Uh, it's uh, called a Delta Class T3C shuttle. Um, it is 25.1 meters in height, or 82 feet and four inches, with the wings upright. Uh, the length is 14.39 meters, or 47 feet and two inches. Uh, it's got a crew of uh, two plus 15 passengers. Atmospheric speed is 970 kilometers per hour, or 600. 
and three miles per hour. It's got two twin laser cannons and three wingtip laser cannons. And it has engines that when they fire up can knock you over. Yeah, I like that. Finally. Which which is a first. I know. Thank God. Finally in a Star Wars film. You know, when Luke takes off from Dagobah with that X-Wing, I'm like, hey, Yoda may want to get out of the way because Obi-Wan's a ghost, but he might get toasted when this thing fires up. Yeah. I like that, too. It was just like this whole, like, kind of screw you type kind of thing. Like, I'm leaving, and he just blows like Jin and Jin right off the uh, the end of the... Uh, the, the launch pad or whatever it's yeah, just it's yeah. kind of like the the middle finger like i'm i'm taking off and i don't give a crap eh? <laughs> you know what's funny is, is that it, it's so much reminded me of this that one scene in firefly when mal kicks that 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 guy who's like i'm gonna come back and kill oh, you yeah. and he was oh, like, yeah. oh okay and then he kicks him into the jet engine and he goes why yeah. he goes flying off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's when i knew that show was awesome yeah <laughs> By the way, three hey, yeah. wingtip cannons. That's awesome. So even on like that top one, it's got a, it's yeah. got a gun. And then it's got that's a bunch cool. of like stabilizers on it, and uh, I guess the wings as well too. Um, they're supposed to have a lot of. Um, they've got a lot of um, sensors and all that um, to increase uh, communications and to kind of keep Krennic kind of up to date on um, the happenings in the uh, galaxy. So I guess uh, I guess uh, that's kind of. Part of uh, part of the explanation for the, like the the really long wings and all that is they they've got hmm. a lot of these sensors and things like that uh, in them to uh, you know to to be able to um, kind of maybe transmit or or get uh, signals from uh, farther farther afield and all that so it's uh, like I say that so that was kind of falls in line a bit with his character I guess of a, a guy who's trying to um, work his way up the uh, the empire's corporate ladder and kind of make sure he. He's on top of everything, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay, do we have any more to talk about uh, Krennic's shuttle? Or... No, that's good. Okay, good to move on. I guess we should go to maybe, I guess, the TIE Striker next, I guess, would be the next uh, choice, because that would be kind of the next kind of ship, I guess, which is kind of uh, got a... Eh. It had a lot of uh, pre-kind of build-up, but... It almost turned into that kind of Zuvio in the in the movie, in that it only had a few kind of uh, short kind of uh, time on screen. But I guess we yeah. can talk a bit about the the Tie Striker uh, to next year, which is the which is another um, it's another Tie Fighter in a broad line of Tie Fighters. When we have like it look hey it looks like a big Tylenol. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd a tie striker? Guys, what is it? it? Well, it's red and it's white. And it looks like a big Tylenol. Yeah. <laughs> like Jeff, do you get the reference? Stop sniffing back to... Come on, Jeff, do you get the reference? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I could think about when I saw it. I was like, hey, it looks it like is a, a... Yeah, it's, it's, well, you know, it's, it's like a tie bomber sort of cockpit attached to like a tie interceptor wing cut in half. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think this is probably one of the best examples besides the U-wing. This the Tie Striker, and Jeff's absolutely right that that the the design and the the it got a toy. It got before the film came out, the toy was actually released, and they did, their people were talking about it. I think this was again an effort to sort of imprint something unique to this film. Garrett saw it as an opportunity like, oh, what about a, a TIE fighter that was solely designed for atmospheric flight? It's going to be something that 
will have a unique shape, unique wing design. And, you know, I, I, I appreciate them doing that. Um, at the end of the day, though, you know, we've seen TIE fighters, certainly in Force Awakens, working within atmosphere a little bit in Empire Strikes Back. We know that they can. And so I, I'm not entirely convinced that the Empire was so hard out, hard put out that they were like, oh, Jesus, we need a, we need an atmosphere <laughs> fighter and it's got to look like this. And you know what's interesting is that there, there was a, a shot in the film where a TIE striker almost like a TIE striker transport lands and dispatches critics death troopers on the beach. So there, there there was certainly more, there was more, I think, involved. I think these ships were more, were more involved in scenes that maybe did not make the final cut of the film when, when the ending was changed in the reshoots that, that it may have been more prominent. And, but you're, but Jeff's right. We see it maybe, for 30 seconds of screen time, it shoots down red. I mean, red leader gets taken out or, or a couple of the X-wings get taken out. One of them goes after Jin when she's up on the platform working on the, uh, on, you know, on the, the dish on the bridge that who makes a bridge that goes out into the middle of nowhere. No, I mean, but anyway, so I'm sorry. I, Star, I Wars. But I mean, Star Wars. Is yeah, but I mean, yeah. I mean, you, you don't, you really do not see it that, that much, even though it did have a lot of sort of initial pipe. Well, I mean, looking at the picture here, I can see that it's like, oh, it's kind of like Jedi Starfighter, you know, from Episode Three, sort of Tie Fighter version of that almost, mm-hmm. because you know it's got the long those wings swept forward like the, that ship did, and the cockpit sort of sitting, you know, in the middle of them. I mean, it's okay. It's just kind of a another to me awkward design. Yeah. But you know, yeah. I mean, I'm not a know. fan. I, yeah. I was kind of like, eh. it just was like, it didn't really do much for me. Yeah, I've been well, right saw, with you I guys, saw... too. This one was just for whatever reason, this one just didn't really ever resonate with me for just, I don't know. Like, say, it's just, it didn't really resonate with me. Um, I guess as well, too, I'll just go over a few of the technical details here. Just uh, like, say, it's made by Senior Fleet Systems. It's uh, the model is the TIE SK times one experimental air superiority vehicle fighter uh it's a uh, 2.95 uh, meters or nine feet eight inches long or high tall i guess uh, length is 17.18 meters or 56 feet and four inches long uh, crew of two um 1500 kilometers uh speed or 932 miles per hour four Fire-linked laser cannons, two heavy laser cannons, and a proton bomb chute. So it's got two hmm. crew. Apparently, so it's beefy. You know, it, you know, it reminds me of then after after hearing you say that, with, especially with the crew too, the bombing stuff, the yeah. armaments. It's it's like a Douglas Dauntless. It's like a dive huh. bomber from World War II. I mean, that's yeah. really what it sounds like. You know. Apparently, this uh, apparently again with the uh, visual guide, they say this is kind of a uh, a multi-purpose Tie Fighter, and apparently. Um, in the Empire, they're very much on purpose-built vehicles. So apparently this one um, wasn't one which was particularly well-received because um, it was kind of this multi-purpose vehicle, which um, a lot of the uh, higher-ups in the Empire, uh, um, they don't really, really care for. So this one, like, it could either be a one-person ship or it could be a two-person ship and the other... The second person would kind of handle like ordnance, so it it could kind of drop bombs or or whatever. But also, I guess it could be kind of used to kind of uh, move cargo or things like that around. And I guess apparently it was designed, and they kind of made the statement um, 
here it says starfighter pilots refer to atmosphere as goo as a derisive reference to the drag experienced in suborbital flight although it is a different discipline in air combat draws upon the same core strengths of tenacity reflexes and daring as space combat Thai pilot culture has pitted atmospheric flyers against space-based pilots in a never-ending contest of dominance. Striker pilots tend to call fighter pilots vacheads, while fighter pilots retaliate with groundhogs. So this is um, <laughs> this this one was uh, I guess this one was made more for like say is an atmospheric atmospheric type kind of um, ship, and I guess apparently this goo I guess or whatever. Um, might make it a little difficult for um, maybe the the traditional Tie Fighter, I guess, to maybe maneuver as well in mm. the atmosphere. But um, again, they they kind of they kind of indicate that this this was kind of more of an experimental ship, and it was uh, it was uh, here's a here's a statement. Um, the Imperial Starfleet generally frowns on versatility, believing instead that the Empire succeeds through its large number of specialized ships. The TIE Striker is a bold departure from that philosophy and is therefore unpopular among the higher ranks. Admiralty sees a distasteful indecision and wasteful expenditure in multiple design features such as a Striker's atmospheric streamline, ground support cannons, tactical bombing suite, and pressurized life support. Pilots conversely are immediately enamored by such novelty. So yeah, it's... it's it's not a ship which is well regarded mostly in the Empire, I guess. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So that was kind of, um, yeah. So it's kind of interesting. I guess that's kind of probably explains kind of like why we don't really see it really in the Star Wars universe ever again. Because, again, maybe it was kind of more uh, tied to uh, Scarif or maybe, like say, it's just more of an atmosphere ship and just being its multi-purpose you know no there was never really any push to develop anymore or any need to have them you know located in other areas i guess yeah i i have no problem with the fact that we don't we've never saw them before since that's fine it just i think that the that it just seems kind of a it doesn't the, the utility of it just doesn't 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 jump out in the film. I mean, reading that, sure, okay, that may that can explain it, but uh, I don't think they had an opportunity in the film to actually like make that clear. And so, no. like it, I say, it was fine. so short on screen. Yeah, that, like say, you never really, uh, you you would never really gotten any sort of um, much out of it. And like I was looking kind of through the art of book, and I was looking at some of the concepts, and the original concept was mostly. Uh, they had original concept where it basically had these um, these kind of um, curved wings, and then they had kind of your regular um, Tie Fighter cockpit, and then they just had kind of a it was almost then they had just a kind of a back wing, so almost like a you know like an F1 car or something like that with that rear uh, rear wing or whatever. And mm-hmm. I almost preferred that design to to this kind of pill looking type design, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> Tylenol. <laughs> yeah, it's good. <laughs> I guess All right, so what else we got? We got the uh, what do we got? We got the ATACT. I guess is is the the probably next. The most con- this is probably the most controversial one. I, I gotta say, if it, online on forums on podcasts, this is the one that really stuck everyone's craw the most. It seems it's like people were upset because they just wanted 
ATATs and they get the AT, ATC, TTB, you know, and, and it's like, I think people were just, were just wondering, you know, why? I mean, and, you know, I, I think it's okay to have di- different models and different varieties. And I think Rebels introduced, the, you know, some different looks to the AT, whatever, you know, that I think sort of blend well with this. But what did you, I mean, what did you guys think? Did you, did you find this a bridge too far or do you think it was appropriate? Well, I'm kind of like with everybody else. I'm like, why even bother? I mean, if you're going to make it that close, just use the freaking regular AT-AT. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, especially since the cargo transport side of it is just never – it's never shown. If if, they, if there was a, a shot where they're loading a container – one of those orange containers filled with – supposedly filled with, say, kyber crystals into the center and walking at some place – Okay, that's fine. Then that, now in the film, you've established that this is a, a device, you know, that a, a machine that's serving a purpose specifically to, to the to what they intended. In the movie, they just show up and and you know, Bayes and Shura look up and it's like run, and there it is. <laughs> and the fact that it has a cutout in the middle, or it has an orange box, or that it has a, right. you know, it can have a different head. It can be taller. It cannot be as strong against against blasters. Because let's face it, these things get taken down with some relative ease. I mean, snow speeders are certainly no X-wings. So I mean, a lot of people right. are like, oh, why are they getting they're getting shot down so quickly? But you know, X-wings clearly are probably have a, a more powerful ship, which begs the question on Hoth, why didn't they use X-wings to attack mm. the walkers? I mean, you know, we, we, we the reality is that that Empire Strikes Back was made in 1980, so get over it. We're done. We, they just <laughs> we, they didn't know we were going to do this movie, and we, they want to do something exciting visually. But it is it is they never had an opportunity to show this vehicle working the way this vehicle is intended. That just makes it confusing. Yeah, I yeah. agree with you, Brian. I like if they could have had just a few kind of uh, shots of it just actually doing like what it's intended to do, like you know, someone loading cargo or unloading cargo from it, you know, then maybe you could go, yeah, okay, I see the need for it. Um, they kind of indicated that uh, when they're coming up with the design of this, that Gareth Edwards really wants some uh, ATATs in the movie, but then when they were discussing it, they felt that, um, you know, like what purpose did they serve? They need to be, there need to be some for some sort of purpose for them to be on Scarif and that they need to be some sort of, um, you know, machinery that's transporting, like they said, kind of a beast of burden or something like that. And that's where yeah. they kind of came up with this idea of the, of the cargo transport. And... Which is smart, which which I which I think is a is a good call because I mean if you if you're on Scarif and it's a data center storage facility, you prob and you have these you have a rail system, you probably don't need to move troops around in a big armored tank. So fine, I I, I agree with that. I, I think that their instinct was right. The problem is that in the film they never had a chance to express it. Yeah. I don't know. Isn't there a better Isn't there a better way to move cargo than a slow oh. moving? Yeah, the, the, the rail tall. system, the, the aforementioned rail system I yeah. just talked about. I mean, I don't really, I mean, I'm not really buying it because to me it's like, I mean, what do you, what's it got to do? Like lay down to get the cargo? I mean, it's like, you know, hey, all right, all right, back her up. All right, put it down there. All right, hey, 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 watch it, watch it, watch it. I mean, come on. I mean, it's, 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 it just put the freaking walker in there. Well, I mean, the it, funny it, thing too here is they go the, because they say in the visual guide, they go the, 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 the crew they go the AT ACT 
design does not boast a specialized driver corp, as it's not technically designated a battlefield assault vehicle. Tank operators, ATAT pilots, and other combat ground drivers in the Imperial military are all qualified to operate it. So they're saying, like, you don't even need to be, you could just be like, you know what? Can you give me the keys to this thing? Sure, you can go take this thing out for a... You don't, need a, you don't need a, a, a commercial driver's license, which is fantastic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the rea- I mean, let's face it. The reality is, is that 95% of the, of the audience never even noticed the difference. That it was right. a walker, walker, whatever. It, it, so, it, I mean, it goes over the heads of most people. It, it, it serves the function of being an intimidating war machine. But because in the film, its only function is as an intimidating war machine and not a transport... Might as well have just gone with an AT-AT at that point. Exactly. I mean, it, yeah. So it's yeah. such a, it's like a, it's like a, a trying to fix a problem that didn't exist. <laughs> like nobody yeah, would have. So I, and I made I made Jensen a little a little model of the the AT-ACT that like the little snap type kit. It has a little sound card in it. It makes sounds and everything. And I'm looking at it while he's playing it. I'm just like. Why can't this be? This should just be a walk. Why does it have to be this orange thing in the middle? I just like I don't understand. So I'm 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 all perplexed by it as well. Yeah, it's silly. I guess we'll go on to the. uh... (laughs) We've had enough of that one. We have had enough. Okay, I'll throw. I'll just throw in the the data file here. Uh, So it's manufactured by Kuwait Drive Yards, another popular Imperial uh, manufacturer. Its model is the all-terrain armored cargo transport. Uh, the height of it is 31.85 meters or 104 feet 6 inches tall. The length of it is 34.90 meters or 114 feet 6 inches. Uh, it's got a crew of two and it's got two uh, heavy laser cannons. So it doesn't seem like it's uh, it's not really one which, like say what we've seen in Empire Strikes Back with the AT-ATs, it's not really meant for battle. So... Like say it's it's armament and all that is and like shielding and all of that isn't really there I guess so mm-hmm. yeah but I guess we'll move on to the uh, I guess we'll move on to that um, that transport I guess the, uh, mm-hmm. the Zeta class transport uh, will be the next one we can uh, touch upon I guess I liked cool. it yeah it's a cool yeah again it's one of those little ships I got for my my kid. And it has like I love it. I think it's a neat Did looking. The, le- uh, the Lego, or is there a model kit? No, like the little um, black series oh, ships. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are cool. I like those little ships, the diecast ones, yep. and uh, it's a cool little ship. Yeah, I like this one too. Actually, like say when I when I initially it saw is it the Zeta. I'm, I'm sorry, I just, I just want to look it up. Is the Zeta class? This is, what is, this is the Zeta class. Yeah. Z E T A or C E T A. Z E T A. Yeah, it's called the Zeta Zeta class cargo shuttle. Uh, what's the, uh, what do they call it? The SW0608 is, uh, that might be the one that they actually use to, uh, to fly down. But yeah, it's, it's, it's called the Zeta Clash Cargo Shuttle. It's made by a, a different, um, the, the Telgorn Corporation. I'm not familiar with this, uh, this, hmm. uh, manufacturer. They're not Kuwait or Sinir systems. So, uh, and it's, uh. 28.74 meters in height or 94 feet 4 inches with the wings upright uh, length of 35.5 meters or 50 meters or 116 feet 5 inches long crew of two passengers um, and uh, passenger load variable depending on cargo requirements uh, atmospheric speed 700 
kilometers per hour or 435 miles per hour. Uh, weapons are two wing-mounted paired heavy laser cannons and three hull-mounted paired laser cannons. So yeah, when you look when you look at it, it actually this looks like like a precursor to a Lambda class shuttle because the yeah, the wings and the guns are very similar. The gun placements on the wings, the mm. the cockpit. If you just angled it down, pointed it down a little bit, it it, it very much would resemble oh, except yeah. for the length. And it's then like, the uh, the actual the ramp actually comes down below the cockpit too. Just right. Like the yeah. Right. Yeah. So it, has it does look. It looks like side. it's beefy. Like it's got armoring and it's just mm-hmm. very cool looking. Uh, yeah. Badass shuttle. <laughs> I like that. It. I like say. I like that. It, it kind of like Brian says. It pulls into that design aesthetic with the other. Uh, like just the you know the the personal transports or the imperial transports for people. That like this just cargo one just kind of falls in line with those and uh i guess it also got a little bit of that that uh vibe towards um you know kylo's shuttle as well too where it's got the the wigs which stick up but no not necessarily a a, a big center wing i guess so oh right right yep yeah yeah so like yep and then like say like it's i guess it's a bit you know like say it's got that big kind of uh cargo i guess container that they carry at the bottom of it to yeah so i'm so getting back to the AT- ACTs, I mean, this orange cargo <laughs> container, yeah. it's all over this movie and, <laughs> and being carried by every ship, but we never really get any sense. It's even it's even on one of those rail car things. You see it being transported on one of those the, the train things that, that Jin, Cassian, and K2SO used to get into the that, that Citadel thing. So they're everywhere, and yet they never have an opportunity to show, like, these and even even with that tank, when the tanks like it, like all the cargo containers are orange, so everything that's a cargo container is orange in this film. So there's a tremendous co- continuity of that in the movie that we never get because all of the elements that may have made us realize that are kind of gone. Because because be, to be quite honest, it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. whether or not how they how how the Empire carries cargo is for us to discuss on a podcast, not for the filmmakers <laughs> to try and explain to us in the movie. So yeah, I just want to see the Imperial dock workers. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I got your orange container over here. Yeah, what do you got in there? What do you got? What do you got? What, do you, what are you shipping? Hey, where's uh, where's that uh, Imperial Se- Homeland Security guy? Come look at this thing. What's, what's what's going on here? What's that droid doing? What's yeah. going on? There? You know what I mean? You know, I, I I always I always think about that. Like, what is the what is the logistics? Where's the where's the um the civilian uh, workforce that has to do all this cargoing? You know, yeah. <laughs> I just see a bunch of guys walking. I don't see. I mean, stormtroopers can't be very good at unloading boxes and you know any car. But arguably, know. I mean, arguably, we we, we actually got a, we, we saw that a little bit in Bodhi Rook. I mean, Bodhi, even though he was yes, he was an Imperial pilot, but. There was something very just sort of pedestrian about him that I liked. I liked the fact that he wasn't—he wasn't some jackbooted thug. He's just a guy wearing that That's uniform, true. flying a ship, and flying their cargo. So yeah. you know, we sort of saw that guy in in Bodhi Rook. Good yeah, point. yeah, and he was just—he was just a cargo uh, pilot as well too. So it was just like, you know, pick the crystals up from uh, pick the crystals up from uh, Jeddah and take them to Yedu mm-hmm. and. Back have, have somebody yeah. sign your awkward, yeah. like bad thing, you know, that yeah. you have to have signed. And what's your last name? How do you spell Tiderius? Uh, or was that with a yeah? But back, then backwards E or then he then he met Borkalat. 
Four <laughs> colored. Four colored. Four colored. <laughs> what the hell? What the? Can I just? Can I say what the hell? What the hell um, is a four colored? Why? I don't know. why and why was Borgullet even necessary? If Saw is such a dumbass that he couldn't realize that, th- that this guy was probably telling the truth because he gave him the data tape, he could have seen that, that Galen Urso was on that. But no, yeah. Borgullet! And now yeah. we get this Borgullet thing, and now we have to figure out what the hell that is. And it's like, so oh. it's like the most probably out of place thing in that I, whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it's know. Like it almost other... fits because it's just so random. That's. It's all so it. random, and, yeah. and, and it's so and it's so that little like Star Wars thing. It's like we need a monster here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, here comes Borgullet. I mean, like you said, it's not like the guy was like had shifty eyes or anything. He's like, no. he's a, he was a mess. He, the guy was a wreck. Yeah. He was clearly spilling his guts. He had the, the he saw had the little tape of Galen, so he knew this guy was legit. But nope, Borgullet. <laughs> You're going right to Borgullet, baby. <laughs> And Borgullet's <laughs> going to make you lose your mind until uh, someone reminds you, you're a pilot for the Empire. Oh, that's right. I'm either that or the there's just some, some weird stuff in, in, in Saw's breathing stuff. And that's just a thing that he sees, you know, like when he I just saw, inhaled. I saw, I saw it. I know what's going on there. <laughs> wow. So every time he took a, took a hit of whatever was in that tank, uh, he got even more crazy. So you see the lot. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, I've got any more of that Darth Vader gas? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like say, I that's the one thing I kind of, um, you know, with uh, just if we're just going to just discuss uh, Saw Guerrero for just a second. So one thing I was kind of thinking that I would have liked to seen in this movie was because I was thinking in, in retrospect to ships, I was thinking, you know, it'd been really cool to see in this movie, which might have dovetailed nicely into like uh, Saw Guerrero and his group. Is if maybe one of them had like one of the old like, you know, Clone Wars, um, you know, one of those old gunships or an Arc 170 or something like that that they yeah. had found somewhere. I thought you know that would have fit really in well with uh, with um, saw and his uh, his group that they had some sort of repatriated old Republic uh, ships from the the Clone Wars and uh, like I said I wish you know I guess they're pretty much ground based but you know like. Yeah, it would have just been nice if they could maybe no, could have they had, them out. They had they had X wings. I mean, yeah. we saw we that saw a crashed, weird, uh, yeah camo on them. Yeah, yeah, they had the, that black X wing in the background of when Chirrut fights those stormtroopers is one of Saw's ships. I mean, yeah. and then when they're when they're all running, a yeah. bunch of those guys get into X and X wings that are like black. So yeah, to me it just to me it would have felt that's you know like that the X wings, but considering that he wasn't really. He was on the outs with the rebellion. Just to me, it would have mm-hmm. just felt more to make more sense that if he's on the uh, outs with the rebellion, that that his his fleet of ships would be something which might have been older. Um, to me, like say, I just I I'm not sure. To me, I just would have been nice if maybe like say they would he would have had something maybe a little older and maybe not something like which the the Rebel Alliance were using since they they weren't really closely affiliated anymore yeah yep yeah i agree hey why we're just and and it wasn't one of the ships that you sort of mentioned but i do want to i do want to give a compliment to the filmmakers um in regards to the star destroyers that we saw because when the first trailers and teasers Mm -hmm. came out the star destroyers weren't what 
I expected to see. They weren't a New Hope Star Destroyers. They, they looked more ones. like Empire Strikes Back Star, Star Destroyers. And, and simply because of that little raised antenna on the top of the, of the conning tower, on the top of the bridge. And if you go back and look at all the teasers, it was laying flat. And yet, when the film was released, all of them were upright, just like what you see yeah. in A New Hope when uh, Vader's Devastator comes over and it stands up and, uh, and all the other Star Destroyers that you've seen in A New Hope. So I, I really like the fact that they made the effort to do that. They made them look really super white because in A New Hope yes. they did look they they were they were white and they were they really shined. Whereas in Empire they gave them a little bit more of a blue tint, and certainly um, the executor had a very blue color to it, obviously, and mm. the Tie Fighters too. But I did love how how a new hope all those star destroyers looked they looked really bright they all the the detail popped uh, the models were great um and all the little tiny things like the in the new hope the star destroyer model that they used i think was only about three feet long it had a very thin edge to it on the side whereas in empire strikes back they sort of opened up that gap so that the two pieces the top and bottom pieces sort of had a, a larger gap between them but so just little things like that, I thought were really nice. And and, and when I when I saw the film, I, I was immediately like, oh, that looks just like A New Hope. That's yeah. the, those kind of star destroyers. Of course, like the the canon is that what it's Imperial ones are the ones that are in like A New Hope, and then when you mm-hmm. get to Empire, they're Imperial twos. And really, the main right. difference is just that that thing on the conning tower, the antenna, yep. or, or I think they say it's a tractor beam emitter, I believe, yep. is, mm-hmm. and uh, it's laying, like you said, laying flat on the Imperial 2s, and the coloring is darker. But, yeah, I agree with you. Once I saw that bright white, I'm like, oh, that's cool. That's Yeah, that's, they look really good. They yeah. look really good. And, 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 and the Death Star. I mean, I think we can talk about the Death Star real quick in that, yeah. you know, it was, a, it was so great. The rendering of the Death Star just looked perfect. Um, were were either of you disappointed that you never saw it come out of hyperspace or go into hyperspace? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it was. You know, and I was really excited. I was like, oh, Tarkin saying, go, we're going we're gonna to go to Scarif, and we never get to see it move into hyperspace. And I, I, I got to wonder, I wonder if they ever, the, in, the, in making the film, if they did a test shot of what it would look like for the Death Star to go into hyperspace, come out of hyperspace. And I wonder <laughs> if it, I wonder if, honestly, I wonder if it looks stupid. I wonder yeah. if, if having it just appear like the way a ship comes out of hyperspace just didn't look good. Instead, having it having you know Radis and the in, the Rebel fleet saying there's a massive object coming out of hyperspace, and then you see it as it's rising in you know on the right. horizon on Scarif was much more impactful. So I have a feeling that they may have tried it and it just didn't look good, and so we never get to see the Death Star actually going to hyperspace. Yeah, because, I mean, it doesn't have, it's just a sphere, and it doesn't have, like, it's not very dynamic. If it, mm-hmm. I mean, it would be probably very, it would look weird. It would just shrink, probably, right? It'd be like this, right. or, you know, and then disappear and, 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 and be stationary, whereas yeah. all the ships are still moving. They have a sense of movement. They have a sense of, it's more dynamic. But the Death Star would just sort of like pop into a view, and it's like, oh, there it is. And it's some like, of my favorite visuals in the movie yeah, are near we the did end get, the uh, like we did get that Star Destroyer like right at the end. That, that Star oh, Destroyer yeah. showed up, and then that Rebel transport <laughs> that like crashed right into it. Right, so, right into it. Yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. Hey, and how about Radis? Speaking of Radis, you know That's his cool Montana airship, very different with a with a with the bridge like uh, way down below at the bottom. Bad spot. Yeah, well, it, it, a weird, interesting spot, but weird. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, why is the bridge, like, like so far below the main ship and down 
but it was. I thought that was a cool design, though. I thought it was neat. Is yeah. it like another, you know, Moncal, uh, you know, cruise ship? You know what I mean? Or you know, is it? Yeah, is that what they said? Or they, didn't they say that the Mon Calamari like literally took like yeah. buildings of their city and like converted them into starships? I remember. I don't know why I remember reading I think, that. Somewhere. I think that there's the like pleasure ships, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah, Carly took uh, took to converting their transports and passenger liners into capital yeah. ships. So yeah. Oh, this, okay. Yeah. Yeah. This one is uh, called the, uh, was it the Mon Calamari, Indi- that's the manufacturer, the Independent Engineering. It's the model MC-75 modified Star Cruiser. It is uh, four, what, the height is 435.56 meters or 1429 feet. Uh, length is, um, length is uh, 395.3 and I'll get this. 3,951 <laughs> feet, 7 inches. Crew of 3,225. Uh, atmospheric speed of 650 kilometers per hour, 404 miles per hour. It's got 20-point defense laser cannons, 12 broadside turbo laser cannons, 4 heavy ion cannons, 12 proton torpedo launchers, and 6 tractor beam projectors. But, yeah, uh, yeah that was... Um, yeah, like I say, to have the... Have the command bridge on the bottom is uh, it's a it's a nice new interesting con- concept that's for sure. It was yeah. it was cool it was cool visually and 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 you know we we while we're talking about the rebels we should probably mention the the rebels ships that are in the movie the oh, hammerhead yes. corvettes and the yeah. ghost. Oh, the fact yeah. that we got a chance to see them. Oh yeah. I, like I, I guess that uh, what uh, John Knoll had never even didn't know what the hammerheads were, and I guess nope. right. they were looking for a ship, and he's like, "Just show me this." Then they show him, and they whipped up a movie version of it. And yep. when that came up, I'm like, "Oh, really?" And sure enough, it was. I was so I yeah. was so happy. And cool, and 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 it's so great that that was Princess Leia that that provided those to the rebels in that episode right. from last season. So it was cool. It was a, it, everything about that worked. It, it was coincidental. You're right. Because I, th- that Noel just sort of, he was like, Oh, we have this, we have an asset of this, the ship that we've used in rebels. Yeah. You can use it. And it was cool looking. And then suddenly they came up with this idea of it being able to be the ship to, to push one star destroyer into another. And I thought I, that was really neat. I think they kind of, they they con like did a like a con or a, a like that it was a uh, cannon that it was sort of like a tug more like a tug type ship so mm-hmm. that that gave it like extra ability to sort of to shove that star destroyer into the uh, gate which is an yeah. awesome awesome thing. Oh, it's oh yeah it's so it's so great how as it's just coming together the music sort of sort of blends in and it's very quiet and it's just the music playing and the sound is goes away that was a great shot that was a great sequence that was, yeah there, that was some really great stuff happening yeah. at the end oh of this yeah movie. then the, when they hit like when they just when that ship just drove right into the star destroyer and then just kind of showing the guys on the bridge you know bracing for the impact and all that was just yeah it was just a, such a great visual on on that mm-hmm. and, like say and like say i, I just it's just a big payoff too for people who like watch rebels and all that too that there was something which was, you know, prominent in that series, and then for it to have such a prominent, prominent role in this movie, just I don't know, like it's just a big, I don't know. For me, it just really kind of it said, you know what, it, that kind of said like, you know, these guys are kind of respecting each other, and there's like, 
it just oh it's synergy yeah yeah yeah. i mean and it's nice and it's nice that basically the story group at least is telling us that harris sandula makes it to that point you know i mean she's there and you know we don't know if zabin or ezra or or Kanan or any of those cats are with her still anymore, but or Sabine, but you know she's there and she's fighting and she's in the ghost and that's a nice that's a nice little little moment and nice little I mean what and I think that that's something maybe not so much in the cartoon I I'm not convinced that Rebels necessarily is going to run it's right themselves right into that but it's it's certainly something that can be explored because it's it doesn't really matter to the story but it's fun for us as fans to have that sort of connection yeah mm-hmm. for sure. And, uh, I, you know, I, I got to kind of agree with Rico. I'm starting to really dislike uh, 3D movies more and more because I went and I, I, the last time I saw the movie, I said, you know, I got to see Chopper because there's that scene where Chopper is is in. And <laughs> then I said, okay, yeah, he's in that scene where that, that, um, that ensign or whatever, or that private is... Uh, private he runs is, out to Mon Mothra, yeah. yeah. And as I start, that showing that I went to was just so dark that... I saw it roll by, but like it's like it's dome was like more black than it was orange. I was like, oh come on, like someone pump up the the brightness on this this bulb or whatever. But it's just like I got yeah, I want to see it, and it was just like then yeah, I was so let down because the projector was so dull and dark that like say yeah. it came across so dark in the movie, and it's just like ah oh, I gotta go see this in two D so I can see something more well illuminated. <laughs> I I saw it in I saw it in a, in a a real IMAX theater 3D. So, I mean, the the real true three-story yeah. screen, I mean, it was massive and it was bright. And it, the 3D was, was actually quite good. I mean, it was inobtrusive, but it was it gave some nice depth to the image and everything. Um, and it, it's true. I mean, if you go to, if, if your theater is showing a 3D presentation and they just, it's not DLP or, or you know, it's DLP, it's it's not great DLP. You you know theaters that are good and theaters that are bad. I, I, yes. I certainly have come to know which ones are good around here. And the, and the 3D in, in this one, you know, again, it was, it was the space battles look great in 3D because they just gave again that little bit of extra depth. The battles look great in 3D because of the extra depth. The character moments cut meaningless for 3D because there was nothing there to really see. But uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it definitely is dependent. I, I saw it once in 3D and IMAX, and then twice non-3D, just in theaters that were the, the show times were convenient. While we're talking about the Hammerheads, real quick, I just want to say this is also a good payoff for for uh, old uh, video game fans as this was based on the Hammerhead Cruiser from the uh, Knights of the Old Republic games. Which, oh, is that what it's from? Yes. It's a, oh, so really as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh my god, it's from Knights of the Old Republic. Wait a when the, they showed up on Rebels, and I guess it's just sort of inspired by that. Um, right. And they were called Hammerhead Class back then. So, very kind of cool nod to you know, that stuff. Yeah. Cool. So. Yeah, it is. And the thing I liked as well too about the end of this this end battle sequence, I loved that whole idea of like say when the you know like when they transmitted the Death Star plans, and that basically they had uh, the the tentative. I know it's not called the tent; it's called the tentative or I can't remember. Tentative. Yeah, something yeah, like tentative. that. Yeah, tentative. Yeah, tentative. Yeah, like I just liked the whole idea that was it was housed in the in the in the uh, the cruiser and. I just took it. The whole purpose of it was once they had those Death Star's plants, it's a blockade runner. It's yeah. It's going like I say. It's it's gonna boogie. Yeah, like it's <laughs> not there to do any battle. Once they have those plants, it's rolling. Eh? That's why it was in the hangar. It's leaving. 
we've got yeah, the planets. I love that. This is my own, this is my only mission because I said I read some stuff where people are complaining like why is the ship there and blah 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 and it's there because it's a blockade runner. Once it has the planets, its only mission is just to leave that battle ASAP and get those plans to Alderaan or. Do you know why it's in there? So that you can have that cool scene where they go launch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. And then and then it's like. And, and by the way, that ship. Uh, what the mon the profundity is the uh, is the, uh, the that flagship, which is a very call, cool. Name. They were calling it the Radisson before they uh, came up with the name. The Radisson. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that that's that that is great. You see that ship roll out of that hangar and just like. Yeah. I, I do love that. I hold that whole last, you know, two minutes of that movie is just like oh, fangasm yeah. stuff, you know. So, yeah, Vader, oh, yeah. Vader, Vader messing up fools is pretty good. Yeah, like, yeah. Those 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 turkeys didn't have a, didn't have a chance, you know. The one thing I would have liked to seen with it probably wouldn't have fit for this movie, but if they ever have another movie, you know, in this area where Vader shows up, I would love to see him in his uh, his Tie Fighter just laying waste to some pilots because I know they've covered that in the EU books in some in of the, the comics. I think yeah. the recent, yes. the recent comics, the Vader comics have, uh, I haven't kept up with them, but I remember a couple of the, of the comics yeah. had Vader and his tie fighter just basically yeah. laying waste to rebels. Yeah. yeah. He's pretty, they, he's pretty uh, badass in the comics. They had yeah. a whole series Vader down where he just like, he was Absolutely. on a planet and just like, just wrecked people. It would just, yeah. you know, it was, it was pretty, they really kind of power him up because you know, and that, that's what this kind of did too. Is like all you know, you don't you forgot all about the sand is, you know, I hate sand and all that, and you just kind of forget it when you're in a, you're in a dark hallway and that lightsaber lights up, and then guys just getting like hacked to yeah, pieces. That was that was genuinely scary. That that made yes. it really scary again, for yes. sure. And, then, and so now, like you said, when he walks on to the tentative, whether it be. 20 minutes a day two days later when he catches up with the princess lee and a new hope over tatooine man when he comes down that corner it's like oh that dude he must be pissed he must be so mad i did that is really probably my favorite thing about when you watch new hope you're like oh will you stop with the lying or i mean i know i dude i just watched you you just took <laughs> off i just chopped like half your crew up i put my look at you see that hole in your in your door over there that was my lightsaber like going through your airlock okay i mean give me a break stop with this consular ship crap that's why he's choking a choking a guy with his bare hands he's just like fed up yeah. chasing you guys for like two days now this is ridiculous yeah like according to the uh the galactic map like say i i don't think they would have been chasing him very far because uh, uh based okay. off where yep. Scarif yep. is it's just yep. it's just the system over from like uh tatooine so hmm. so it was yeah, okay it happens fast. I yeah. got a feeling that the the intent just, was it to happen really quick. That was just that. Yeah, it's just funny. It's just like yeah. when you now we have that different sort of mindset, like that you said in the beginning of the movie, where it's like, you know, that's why he's so mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why those rebels are lying at the hall. They're like, oh shit, we gotta do this again. Oh my god. <laughs> we just left that battle. You know, the the whole opening crawl now is just like, oh, that's Rogue One. Look at that. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, like say this. Uh, like I say, because I was just looking at like the just the galactic map, like uh, on the in the front of the book here, and it's it's kind of interesting that this movie basically it's all over the map, I guess basically because like you know like Jetta is kind of like over on the um, kind of the western edge, kind of not not all that far from where Jakku is, which is kind of interesting. And then Yavin is kind of up in the you know kind of the northern part, northern part, and then. You know, over in the 
kind of the e or the outer rim, I guess, is kind of where Scarif was, and that's just a hop, skip, and a jump from uh, Tatooine, and then um, like Eadu is just kind of it's kind of right around where like um, Nel Nel Hutta and Lethal and all that. Well, keep in mind that the, the Death Star was originally they started building out uh, around Geonosis, so right they went to Geonosis know, and then they transferred it to uh, Scarif, I guess, apparently after. And then, okay. obviously, I'm surprised no one ever really picked up on it uh, galaxy-wide because, like, where Scarif is and where, um, and where, uh, and where um, Jeddah is, they're right on the other side of the galaxy, eh? Like, they're opposite, eh? So you'd almost have to go right through the inner core, actually, to, to, you'd have to go through pretty much, you might almost have to go through the inner core, in a sense, depending on which hyperspace route you take that um... well yeah but i mean like in the in, in in catalyst you pretty much under know that this the whole project is sort of not only is it fragmented and it's also pretty you know secret like nobody really mm. knows about it and it was sitting at geonosis for a long time just sort of yeah. while it was being constructed and then you know like they moved it somewhere to jedi i suppose scarif i think they said because they oh, say here they 10 years before rogue one death Scar- death star moves to scarif Oh, okay. Yeah, and then, and then, like, say, then it was. So uh, it goes from Scarif. So it goes from Scarif to Jeddah to to Scarif. destroy Jeddah back to Scarif. Yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah, and then, like, say, they almost hit every every spot because then they went to like Mustafar, <laughs> which is kind of, kind of, it's kind of more in the mid range, mid rim, and yeah. they're just all over the place. Actually, the ship I would have really liked to seen was. Uh, you know, Doctor Evison's and Pondo Baba's ship because they yeah. <laughs> they are somehow able to make it from uh, they're able Jetta. to make it from Jeddah, which is on the you know it's almost it's on the west end all the way to the outer rim, right across the galaxy. In <laughs> I don't know how long, but they must have had uh, one fast ship. I'm guessing. <laughs> well, you know, you got to make those cameos work somehow, right? I mean, I'm sure there'll be a whole story somewhere about them. Yeah, uh, getting from Jeddah to Tatooine. Yeah, probably. That said, I know they're wanted in quite a few systems, like twelve systems or whatever. But yeah. I doubt the Empire really gives a crap. So I'm guess if you're traveling through <laughs> the uh, the inner rim or the Empire's territory, it's probably the probably the safest place for them to be. So yeah. So yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So we hit all the ships. I mean, with the, yeah. was there anything else that we missed? Or I think, I think we got. Yeah, yeah, I think we got them. So, I guess Excellent. we guess we should wrap up here. And uh, I guess uh, everyone, uh, final comments. Like, I mean, in in general, I'm I'm a fan. I mean, like, I think I think we were fair in in our conversation about what we liked and didn't like. But even even when I say the AT ACTs or the tie strikers are kind of you know may not be super compelling. Again, I, I don't I don't brook argument with any of these with the filmmakers the opportunity that for them to to create their own designs and I think that's fine I think fans need to sort of just relax a little bit remember that when the first three films were made we didn't know we were going to do this but we're doing it so if we're going to do it let's enjoy it and let's have fun with it and let's mm-hmm. not be so pedantic about when ships should be or where why didn't they use this here whatever i mean sure i suppose it's an interesting conversation but at the end of the day 
when Jensen, when my son, who's going to be four in March, when he goes in to watch these films, I mean, he won't care. He just wants to see fun stuff on screen. And let's let them have fun. And let's let's all enjoy it. And let's have podcasts where we can talk about them. And, you know, let's make it that. Let's not make it so, like, um, that ship should not be here right now. I mean, let's, you know, yeah. the, let's, well, let's, let, let's let them have a good time with this so we can yeah. all enjoy it. And, I like to be a little bit pedantic because that's what I am. <laughs> but I mean, like the thing is, like, w- w- I guess what's never going to happen again. Like, all we had, all I had was a, like a New Hope is a movie I've seen the most in my life because not only did was it the first movie I ever saw, it was also um, it's the best. It, I mean, yeah, it's pl- it's you the know, best. What I mean, it was on HBO like yeah. very early on in HBO's run. It was also you know we it was the first VHS that we owned, and I, I watched that movie a million times. So it's like you know you just sort of seen. We kind of live with these movies a lot more, I think, than future people will, or or, or even my kids, because they're not going to have to watch Star Wars: New Hope over and over again because there'll be yep. another Star Wars movie to watch or something else. So that's probably why we're a little bit overly precious with it. Sometimes it's like, well, I just. But other than that, yeah, I agree with you. Like, let's just sort of try to take it down a notch, enjoy it for what it is. Good ships. Yeah, they're it's good most, ships. Yeah, exactly. I I think Hammerhead. Yeah, Hammerhead. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like say these are good ships. Like I say, like say the like I, I indicated, like say maybe like the Tie Striker didn't really uh yeah, didn't really do it for me, but given the context that it came in and the understanding that, you know, this is twenty this movie is made in twenty sixteen, we're in twenty seventeen that these movies are gonna come out, you're you're gonna be complaining if you don't see something new as well too. So like say mm-hmm. so. You know, well, for what and for what it's worth, if we're going to talk about our favorite things in the, in Rogue One, as far as ships are concerned, for me, it's X-wings and Y-wings. Seeing oh, yeah. X-wings <laughs> and Y-wings doing new emissions, new attacks, just it it just warmed my heart. I, that that you know, I, I I thought the Ewing was great. I love I I appreciate the new designs, but for me, the nostalgia rests with seeing those ships on screen realized with modern technology, just looking great, doing fun stuff. And, you know, that was, that for me was where it just really at home. Seeing a Y-Wing and, and, and traditional X-Wings was the best for me. But seeing a Y-Wing actually doing Y-Wing things. Bombing, like, bombing yeah. 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 So, with, I mean. With Gold Leader. With, yes. with, what's his name? Hutch or what's his name? The, yeah. the, the but character. he, um, uh, uh, he recorded a few lines. He apparently, he recorded lines. Yeah, he recorded yeah. dialogue for that. That's yeah. great. Well, Red Red's Leader as well too. But... They had uh, Red Leader is also. Uh, yes, original yeah, guy. That, that's he passed yeah. away though. He's not. He's not yeah. alive anymore. They just sort I... of clipped him together. Yeah. Yeah. But... They, or, or apparently they had some. They had some dialogue from him recorded that he had never. That was never in A New Hope. Oh, so that's that. cool. Yeah, that was definitely the stuff that I mean. Like you said, all these new ships are great, but you know the 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 old classics doing like a little bit better maneuvering and things like that, and seeing seeing the old all that all those ships and you know like the the fate of Red Five and yeah oh. <laughs> and, and and Blue Squadron and things like that. Very cool. Yeah. Well, very it was cool. great. Like I say, with Blue Blue Squadron as well. It's just yes. like, well, why are they not around? There's the answer. It's a nice call. It's a, it's a yeah. nice callback to the uh, novelization yeah. of like Red New Hope. It was a disaster. What the hell? Was going on? <laughs> like, how did he, how did some like who, who put him behind the? Uh, it was, you know what's funny is that is that 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 played to my my really super nerdy fandom because I was because as a kid, part of me when they when they were all flying, I'm like, gee, I wonder why Lucas five instead of eight or seven. 
you know, and I, I always thought about that because I mean, why is he like right in the middle? And then we see this, and I'm like, oh, that's why, because <laughs> Red Five sucked and he got blown up. Cadet, and, you know, he's the... uh, Cadet Pedrin Gall is his name. So, oh, <laughs> unfortunately, well, but not so much uh, with the uh, flying for him. Yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I like the look of these guys too. Like just looking at the book, they all got mustaches. the seventies mustaches. Yes. Oh, those those 70s mustaches look. and button chops are the best. Oh yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, and even the the Tie Fighters, like those few shots of all those them releasing all those Tie Fighters out of the hangars, which was incredible to see such a such an amount of Tie Fighters, kind of a total, uh, a total homage to Return of the Jedi when all those yeah. Tie Fighters fly by the Falcon's cockpit. Yeah, yes. so that's uh, cool shot. Yeah. Oh, guys, this is fun. I'm glad yeah, we did this. Yeah. Good times. So it's good, and so I guess we'll wrap up the podcast now, and sure. uh, we'll thank uh, Rico for. Uh, Allowing us the opportunity um, to talk about uh, these ships on this Thank podcast. You, Rico. And, uh, Thank you. Yeah, 